Hey, Kev, let's let's follow this trail over here. This looks like there might be something waiting down there. All right. Hey, wait a minute. Do you hear that? Yeah, I thought it was just me. What the heck is that? I don't know what that is. Whoa, do you smell that, too? That's unbelievable. Hey, look. What the? Hey, look, those, those branches are moving over there. What the heck is that? Holy cow, is that what I think it is? Look at that thing. Oh my god. It's a freaking Sasquatch. Welcome to the Bigfoot Terror in the Woods Sightings and Encounters podcast. I'm your host, W.J. Sheehan. Hello, everybody, and thank you once again for joining my brother Kevin and I for what is going to be an outstanding podcast. For those of you who don't know me, my name is W.J. Sheehan, and I authored a series of books entitled Bigfoot Terror in the Woods, Sightings and Encounters, all of which are available, volumes one through eight, at Amazon in paperback and ebook. And if you like to listen to a little creep fest, you can get my audiobooks at Audible, iTunes, and Amazon, volumes one through six. And don't forget my new Exorcist series, Exorcist uh, Full Moon, The Exorcist Truth and Lies, and The Exorcist Diabolica. So take advantage of that. And now, without any further ado, may I welcome into the room my brother, KJ Sheehan. Kev, how are you? Hey, Bill, how's it going? Marvelous, marvelous, darling. And who doesn't like listening to a good creep fest? Well, I know I do. (laughs) (laughs) I I imagine that's a rhetorical question on this podcast. I mean, we're in the business of creep, you know. (laughs) We try to be. Well, it's like George Norrie said to me when I was on Coast to Coast once. He said to me, so, Bill, where's the terror? And I was like, what? <laughs> Where's the terror? We're yeah, talking are you missing there, George. Yeah, we're, we're uh, talking about monsters with the bulk of a barn door creeping <laughs> around in the forest, scaring the bejeebas out of people. That's where the terror is. <laughs> uh, not to mention a couple of bodies missing limbs along the way and a few people getting yanked down by their backpack. Yeah, a couple of deer with their heads ripped off, sticking out of the ice. Yeah, you know, I don't know. Dead moose. Freaks me out a little bit. Giant hogs being carried away and eaten. I mean, other than that, there's not much going on, George. (laughs) Other than that, have an apple, Bigfoot. (laughs) And that was just like this month. Yeah. Yeah. I know, it's it's bizarre, man, you know. Uh... Between the dogman and the Rougarou and the Bigfoot, uh, cars getting smashed, stuff getting flipped over, barn doors getting torn open. I mean, uh, you know, the creature is on the march. This thing isn't just hiding in the woods, uh, waving at people that happen to run across it, you know? No, sir. Very bizarre. So what do you got in your bag of tricks today, my brother? Yeah, we are going to talk about the Noxie Monster. Whoa. Do you know Noxie? I do not. I know Fort Knox, but (laughs) I I don't know the Noxie. N-O-X-I-E, no K. Wow. They left off the K for creep. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, interesting, this Noxie Monster. I came across this when I was researching the Lawton Wolfman a few weeks back. Uh And uh, I said, you know what? We got to come back to this one. All right. So the Noxie Monster terrorized a place called Nowata County, also in Oklahoma. Wow. It's a North North American monster. Yeah. Wow. So back in Oklahoma, and you know what they say, Oklahoma is okay if you're a monster. (laughs) (laughs) 
Oh, my goodness. (laughs) So this happened in 1975, and specifically uh, the sighting I'm going to talk about, or sightings I'm going to talk about, uh, started to get reported on on September 5th, 1975. Wow, this isn't that old, Kev. Not that old, not that old. And the story came from a gentleman by the name of Jimmy Trammell in Tulsa World, so the newspaper out there in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Okay. Yeah. And um, it's uh, there's a cool sketch that was in the newspaper that I'll put on our website, uh, BigfootTerrorInTheWoods.com. And it's kind of fun. You know, it's like this giant creature, uh, like artist rendering, um, but it looks a little cartoon-like, too, so I'll warn you. Okay. But it's, but it's pretty cool. Um, and uh, Nawada County is just northwest of a lake called Ulaga Lake. And as it turns out, uh, as I was researching it, this is the birthplace of Will Rogers. Ah, that's interesting. So I don't think that has anything to do with the creature they were seeing, but I thought that was an interesting point. It is, and And, I'd, I'd say probably half our audience has no idea who Will Rogers is. Well, that could be. They can Google them, <laughs> But But Ulaga, Ulaga Lake is directly north of Tulsa, Oklahoma, and it's pretty close to the border of the state of Kansas, so up in the northern part of Oklahoma. And as it turns out, this is about 280 miles northeast of where the sightings of the Lawton Wolfman occurred, and they occurred in the winter of 1974. So we're going ahead about four years right. to September of 1975. Okay. So pretty cool stuff. So in the newspaper, they're like, okay, let's go straight to what they were saying. These are the witnesses. And this gentleman named Kenny Tosh said, I'm getting mad, gripping his shotgun tighter. Everybody's laughing at us and thinking I'm crazy because I've seen that thing. I don't care what people think, Tosh continued. I know I saw something. I'm scared, and I'm going to shoot it. (laughs) (laughs) My kind of guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So so this was published in 1975 when a lot of folks in Oklahoma, you know, were pretty afraid, and specifically they were afraid to go out at night. Okay. Did this get? Did and, this get? Kev, did this get widespread publication around Oklahoma? Yeah, it said it said that it was picked up uh, in the national and global news as well. Wow! Now this is in the early seventies, which in the early seventies there was a lot of creepy sightings, right? Yeah, it's kind of a the the decade of creepy sightings was like the seventies. I don't know if it had anything to do with drugs or what. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? But, you know, it was uh, on the heels of uh, the Bigfoot explosion, so to speak. Exactly. That's what I mean. So you yeah. get these these creatures. I'm not saying they're correlated, but certainly I think at least the news media was in tune with it. You know, after after all of the sightings and that and you know, the news newspapers, news media got in tune to listen about these monsters, right? Yeah, yeah. the legend of Boggy Creek and stuff like that right. in the early seventies as well. Yeah, there were things coming out, uh UFOs, uh like and other oddities like the movie The Exorcist. There yep. was weird goings on there and they they were catching on to the fact you know, like people say with the news, if it bleeds, it leads as far, yeah, as, sto- no doubt about as, that. far as stories go. But, you know, if there's anything odd or creepy, they'll throw it right in there to get your attention uh, to stay with the broadcast, you know. Yep, no doubt. So the quote here shows up in the paper from the Nawada County Undersheriff, and his name is Harold Lay. I guess the Undersheriff is kind of like a deputy. I don't know. Okay. Um, And he said, I don't know what they saw, but they sure, sure saw something. One woman was almost hysterical, and her husband seriously said his knees were still knocking. That's what this lawman said. Wow. Yeah. Did he do? And, did he do an oh. interview with them? Or yeah, yeah, yeah. So okay. he's reporting on when he talked to them, right? So he's like, he, you know, in his opinion, I have no idea what they saw, but 
I believe that they did see something. Yeah, it shook them up. Yeah. Wow. And then uh, this gentleman, Tosh, and another woman, Marion Parrott, they were among the residents who reported encounters with a giant, hairy creature. So Tosh says, uh, and this is in the Tulsa Tribune, I was within 10 feet of it before I saw him. He growled and ran away, and I screamed and ran the other. Wow. <laughs> a freaking giant hairy monster. I mean, it sounds like we're going down the road of the hairy man here. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And this other guy that's with him, I said woman, but it's a guy, uh, Marion Parrott, uh, he told the reporters that he shot at the creature. And his quote is, I was in Vietnam for 13 months, and I'm more scared here than I was over there, he said. At least over there, I knew what was out there. Here, I don't. Wow. Yeah. Now, did they say they were hunting or something, that he shot it, or were they just carrying firearms? I think they were just carrying a shotgun, you know. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. We're going out for a burger and you carry Going out for a little walk in northern (laughs) Oklahoma. Bring your sword off with you. Hey, you know. <laughs> I don't see your point, Bill. <laughs> I kept doing it again. What did that guy say down in Texas that time when he got pulled over and he told the cop, I have this oh, yeah. in my... Say it again. Yeah, he went it. through the whole inventory of all his weapons in his car. He had to declare them for the trooper, the Texas trooper. And the trooper said, hey, like, what are you afraid of? And he said... <laughs> Absolutely nothing. <laughs> <laughs> that that hands down is oh, one know. of the all time best one liners. It's a good one. It's a good one. <laughs> so so that get so the descriptions of this Nox, Noxy monster. It was described as seven or eight feet tall and hairy, with human like facial cr- features. Okay. So yeah. big thing. And they said that it smelled worse than it looked. Wow. Yeah, here we go with the stink fest again. Right. But here's a new one I haven't heard before, Bill. They said that it had cat like eyes which could be seen at a distance. So they were glowing. Well, it could be, yeah. Yeah. I mean not look, uh, uh just the other night I was coming home and a cat turned its head out in the street on me and its eyes were glowing blue. Yeah. Uh, so they have night vision. I mean, they can see at night. You know, they're reflecting yeah. light, absorbing light. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, a lot of the Bigfoot sightings, uh, the eyes are uh, amber or like a yellow color with a black uh, pupil and iris. So it's yeah, not. I mean, that could be thought of as a cat like eye, too, right? Certainly. And if it reflects yeah. light, these guys are night owls. They They've got to have. Uh, night vision like the rest of the other animals out at night. Yeah, yeah. I'd, I'd imagine all the Bigfoot reflect light. It's just a, people tend to mention the red ones because they bug you out. Yeah, absolutely. But who knows? You know, Kev, maybe there is an aspect of the Bigfoot's eye that makes it red in light. Yeah, but don't forget, a lot of those sightings, they say that they weren't shining a light or didn't have a light, right? Right. Those and they are just, just see a, the red glowing eyes. Yeah, Which, those are just a demon eyes, as I call them. <laughs> it's, it's a, yeah. What? Where's the terror, Bill? Yeah, the, <laughs> the fires of hell shining from within them. <laughs> what do you think of that? Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> so, the, so you were asking about the story itself. So the Nox, Noxy Monster story, it's written here, <laughs> that it went viral before there was such a thing as going viral. Okay. So news crews came from everywhere. A movie producer by the name of David Wolper offered $10,000 for a video of the beast. And at that time, members of the Sasquatch Research Group set up camp there to search for the monster. Well, that's interesting. There was a Sasquatch Research Group around at that time. You know, know, that seems to be a relatively modern thing to me. Uh, But I guess it was going on at that time, you know. Agree. We'll have to we'll have to check that out. Yeah. You know, look back in time, see yeah. when that stuff started. It's a good good question. You know, the internet the internet has opened up a plethora of information, both good and bad, 
bad. But, you know, what it's done more than anything is made us realize how many people are out there and what the interests are. And then the exposure. For instance, like I have some Beatles paraphernalia. You know, I always thought some of this Beatles stuff was worth a few bucks. And now, since the Internet is there, you find out there are millions of these things and they're pennies on a dollar. Well, and that's the other thing, you know, not to go too far on a tangent, but it had, you know, the Internet and uh, the presence of eBay and stuff like that, they say has devalued so much of those collectibles because now, you know, like if I saw something you had, like a Beatles poster or something like that, I might be, oh, I really want that. And you might say, oh, it's 100 bucks. The first thing I would do is look for it on the Internet. Yeah. You know, and say, okay, I see one there for 200 or I see 100 of them there for a buck a piece. Like, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Never it, mind. You know, I'll it move is, on. It is crazy. It has benefited us uh, greatly in many ways. Oh, but, yeah. there, you know. Anyway, look at how much information you have at your fingertips. I mean, that's how we got there was, you know, we should look and see when this stuff was formed. You know, the Sasquatch Research Group, for example. It's just when we're done with the podcast, I'll hit the old Google machine and see what it says. Yeah. Well, you know, the Internet was originally formed to uh, tie together scientists, right? Yeah. Sharing of information between some of these big laboratories and whatnot. DARPA. Yeah, DARPA. The original internet, DARPAnet. Yep, interesting. Okay, go ahead. I didn't mean to sidetrack. It's interesting, though. No problem, no problem. Um, Where the heck was I? Oh, yeah, so so the sheriff then, he's he's running into people as this is going viral. The news groups are in, and the Nevada County Sheriff this time, his name was Bob Arnold, he's getting worried because people are showing up like, you know, drunk in trucks with guns going out hunting for this creature. Right. Right. And he he had a funny quote in here. He said, uh, you know, a young person in this day and age with long hair and a lot of stuff on his face might look like a wolf man. And one of these guys that are drinking their beer (laughs) might want to blow him to bits. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my goodness. I needed like that one. Yeah, that's a real redneck for you. <laughs> that's a, you know, early 70s, you know, a lot of long hair going on. Kind of like today, actually, now that you think about it. So, so then uh, Arnold's like, all right, well, let's get a party together. Let's go out and look for this thing. And he says, if it doesn't walk on air, we ought to have some tracks now. Now that it's rained, we should be able to see some tracks. And they went so far as to find a plaster cast of a footprint. Now, this footprint's a little weird, Bill, that the sheriff reported as being 11 inches long and 6 inches wide. So it's kind of like not too long, you know, probably shorter than my foot, but my foot's certainly not 6 inches wide. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a stocky-bodied right? creature, whatever put that print down. Yep, exactly. Yep. It's like a block, you know, 11 by 6, rectangular yep. block. Yep. Wow. No doubt about it. Um, and then they talk about in the same article that the year before, there were also some sightings in this same area, but it didn't get as big. And they just called the creature that they saw back then, a year earlier, uh, it, like cousin it. But yeah. Not literally. Or remember, it came from mm. outer space. Oh, yeah. That was Stephen a creep. King had that creep fest book, right? It. Well, Stephen King's it was that clown, right? <laughs> oh, my God. What terror. <laughs> yeah, what an evil bastard that thing was. <laughs> Jeez. All right. So where are we at with this uh, Nazi yeah, monster? Yeah, yeah. So... All right. Where, where, yeah. Yeah. So that that's kind of the story. You know, you have a few people that have seen it, a couple of witnesses, a couple of uh, uh, under sheriff and a sheriff themselves take the reports. They read on it. You have these hunting parties come in and whatever it is, is this big, hairy, smelly beast with cat like eyes. And it was seen uh, the following year as well. The prior year. Oh, the prior so, year. So it, the, the story took off 
in uh, 75. And mm-hmm. then, uh, uh, but they went back and they looked and it was also reported on in 74. Yeah, so it got it got legs after the second party uh, kind of did a better job on promoting what they saw or came out yeah, more. Yeah, you know, I would bet that the first time it probably wasn't reported to the authorities. Yeah. Or maybe the authorities dismissed it, right? Right, right. Um, and didn't do anything on it. And in this case, it was reported to the authorities and, you know, they they gave credence to it, like we said in the beginning of the story. Yeah. And a lot of that was probably based on the witnesses' testimony and who the witnesses were, you know? Well, Bill, so, we say it all the time, too, that they, they, um, um, you know, folks see something and they're, and they're afraid to say something because they'll be judged by it. Right. By, right. What, by what reporting on what they said. And it's interesting. There's another, uh, well, Tosh, you know, when he was talking about it, I mentioned him at the beginning of the story. I'll tell you another point he made, which kind of plays into what you're saying. He said, his quote is, I've seen that thing and I'm going to prove it to the world. I didn't believe any of my neighbors either when they first told me that they saw it. But oh. the day I saw it, it made a believer out of me real fast. There you go. Yeah. So here, Doubting Thomas, right? And he said, you know, well, somebody had told him about this thing, and now he's seeing it. You know, it's just it's, it's a freaky deaky thing, this uh, Bigfoot encounter, you know, because, you know, uh, uh, you know, show me I'm from I- Iowa, you know. Uh, Missouri, Missouri. Oh, is it Missouri? <laughs> the show me state. Well, show me. I'm from Long Island. So now it's a Long Island term. <laughs> ah. But, you know, um, <laughs> the thing is, though, I mean, that could apply to you or me, too, Bill. Yeah. Fa- I mean, I'll speak for myself. But, you know, I see some stories and I'm like pretty darn skeptical. Uh-huh. Some stories really darn believable. One of the letters that I'm going to read today later on really darn believable and it's the kind of thing where you can be skeptical i mean you and i have never seen a bigfoot sasquatch and and then after you saw one after if we were to see one boy there would be no doubt we would be believers we saw it yeah yeah there's no doubt right and like i say i'm here because i'm a believer and i haven't seen one right of course but i mean like you know if you were a skeptic and you saw one up close and personal, well, you're not a skeptic anymore. Not anymore, you know, and you know. Uh, I'll fall back to Carl Sagan's quote, which we spoke about months ago. Uh, yep. Extraordinary claims require extraordinary evidence, and it's my firm belief that we have crossed the threshold of extraordinary evidence a long time ago. Certainly so, a lot of sightings. Yeah, I don't know what these people are waiting for, you know, uh, but uh, I don't need anybody to tell me uh, that Bigfoot is real. In my heart and in my mind, and based on the testimonies I've heard uh, and evidence that I've seen, Bigfoot is certainly real. Well, that's the whole thing, Bill. It, to me, it's like um, there's, there's so many hoaxes, though, and there's so many legitimate sightings that, you know, that's, I think, where the doubt comes from. And then perhaps, yeah. perhaps... You know, some of the authorities and stuff like that don't want us to know what they have evidence of, perhaps. You know. Yeah, well, it, uh, it gets back to the UFO phenomena and uh, everything else. You know, for some reason, they, they got to have some type of feeling that they're looking to protect us or they don't want to talk about it for whatever reasons are the upper echelon uh, have deemed to be uh, the correct path to go down. You know, but me... I, I I would tell you, you know, this is the way it is, you know. Yeah. Uh, let the chips fall where they weigh. You know, like even relative to UFOs, I don't know if they've done any surveys about Bigfoot. They say more than half of the population believes in UFOs. So yeah, well, it's a big world out there, you know, just like it's a big forest out there. Absolutely. So I don't know what the rub is about saying, you know, uh, we've seen this and we've seen that. I mean, just look at that uh, 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 survivor map from the military we were talking about. It's got a picture of a Bigfoot leaning on a pile of rocks under the category of dangerous animals you may encounter. 
Yeah, I mean, again, I personally think, and I could be convinced otherwise, but I think a lot of the doubt comes from the hoaxes. Like, for example, you know, I bet if you surveyed people, and I don't know, but if you surveyed people, uh, you know, what they would be more likely to believe, you know, that there's unknown species of the large, giant, you know, fish or mammals in the bottom of the ocean swimming around or unknown species of large ape-like creatures walking around in the forest. I would think that more people would believe the undersea creatures are there, Mm -hmm. you know, because they haven't, you know, there really haven't been any hoaxes associated with that. You know, you know, it's not, not an easy thing to hoax. Yeah. So anyway. There have been a couple for Nessie. That one (laughs) joker that came forward and claimed he filmed that picture where they show it, it's black silhouette of its neck sticking out of the water. We had somebody designed. Yeah. But I'm not even sure if that is a lie. Like, was he trying to gain some publicity by saying he made it and this is how I made it? Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I mean, that was the other one, too, that got me uh, when I first saw it, that, you know, that mock documentary on whatever station it was on about the mermaids, right? You saw yeah. that back when. Yeah, but that was the really acute use of uh, CG. Oh, I know. But, like, I turned it on after it had started at first. Yeah. And I was like, what the heck is this? You know? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there are people in this day and age that are just expert at making use of these things, which right. does and that muddy one was the just water. done for ratings. You know, I mean. Like it was made like it was a real show, kind of like War of the Worlds, you know, way back when, right. the radio show. And, um, um, you know, but it was fake all yeah. the way. Yeah. But cool, man. All right. Well, that's interesting. And speaking of things that are interesting, I've got something here that I think uh, everybody is going to find uh, right up our alley. I'm and, ready. <laughs> <laughs> and this uh, following account was told to me by Sharon Higgins, who was fly fishing with her guide and friend, Tommy Rhinebeck. She said the following, I know that I had told you that Tommy was my guide on this day when we saw the Bigfoot. But the reality is that he is also my best friend and companion who just happens to have introduced me to fly fishing and many of his favorite haunts. On this particular day, we had hiked into the Bear Lake region of the Rocky Mountain National Park and had begun to survey the shoreline of Glacier Creek, looking for any brook trout on the rise. As we were walking through the brush alongside of the creek, we came upon somewhat of a break that opened up into a beaver dam. There seemed to be quite a bit of activity going on as we could see the brookies plucking some of some type of hatch off the surface. We decided that this was a, as good a spot as any to cast our flies, and we found a little spot where we could cozy up to the brush but still make a decent backswing, and we began to fish. Standing where we were on the shore, I would estimate that it was about a hundred yards or so to the other side of this creek. There we were looking at what I will describe as three tiers, that's three, the number three tiers of greenery. The first level, which began against the creek, was tall, bright green grass that I would say was about three feet tall or so. This grass ran away from the side of the creek for some 30 feet, where it met up with what I will call the second tier, which was comprised of scrubby bushes and short trees between, say, 5 and 15 feet tall. This second tier ran further away from the creek for maybe another 20 yards or so, where it abutted what appeared to be a forest of either spruce or fir trees that were more than likely 40 to 60 feet tall. So she describes here the stepping or tiering, as she calls it, 
of different levels of of uh, greenery and trees and the actual forest backing it up. Our vision to our right-hand side was completely obscured by trees flanking us on the bank. The same situation, though, was visible on the other side of the bank, to the left of this three-tiered thing that I just described. In other words, this tier setup was not going along the entire creek. It was only visible for a width of maybe 200 yards or so on the opposing bank, if that makes any sense to you. We had been fishing there quietly for maybe two hours when I began to see something moving within the second tier of low bushes and trees on the other bank. I would see some dark fur, and then it would disappear from view within these bushes. This had occurred three or four times already, and I had directed Tommy to look in the direction of what I was seeing. As we stood there watching for any further activity by whatever this was concealed within the bushes, a figure suddenly emerged from behind the trees alongside of the grass and started walking through the, gr- the grass along the edge of the creek. As I told you, I believe the grass that we were looking at was about three feet tall, and perhaps even more. This grass was just about covering this creature's legs up to the knees. The two of us knew immediately that we were looking at a Bigfoot, and there was no doubt about it. As I recall, it had only taken two steps as it came from behind the bushes into the grass. Then it turned its head, looking directly at us. I could see the sunlight illuminating its face. And without missing a single step, it kept its gaze fixed on us for maybe ten more paces. The creature then turned its face, looking straight ahead once again as it continued to walk through this grass. At no point in time did it stop or change the cadence of its walk. It simply seemed to realize that we were there, gave us the once-over, and kept walking. It continued walking for the entire width of this grassy area, and then, once again, was concealed behind the trees to our right-hand side. We both stood there in utter awe and amazement at what we had just seen with our very own eyes. Not in our wildest dreams did we think that such a thing would happen to us, and yet it just had. Even at the yardage, the size of this beast was staggering. Based on the height of the grass, it must have been some ten feet tall or so. To the human eye, it appeared to be going very slowly, almost gliding, and yet it had covered a large amount of ground in a very brief amount of time. I could only imagine what it could do if it was running. Its movements were so smooth and fluid-like that it's hard to describe to anyone having not been there for themselves. We could tell that the face had very little, if any, fur on it. And we could also tell that it had a forward lean to its walk, with its head being positioned maybe a foot or so ahead of what we would call its waistline. Of course, as everyone has already heard, its arms were ridiculously long, and swung in a practically perfect timing with each step that it took. To me, it almost looked as though they had to move in this fashion in order for it to walk. I know this seems very strange, but there almost appeared to be some type of connection going on between the arms and the legs as it walked. At any rate, Bill... There you have it. That was the entirety of my Bigfoot sighting at Glacier Creek in July of 2016. Wow, not too long ago, huh? Yep, fairly recent. Just goes to show you that these things are going on 
on a regular basis at random periods in time in locations north, south, east, west. Uh, there is just no end to it. And once again, a couple of folks out there snooping around, doing a little fishing on the fly, and uh, they run across this thing for a snapshot, walking across an opening on a, a, a bank in a creek, and uh, boom, 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 and it was over. Hmm. I love the description, though, of this 10-foot giant walking through the tall grass and looking at her or looking at them and, like, just fixed on them, looking to the side while it's walking through the grass. You know, you've talked about that before, where these creatures, uh, they have so much confidence just cruising through the brush, they don't even have to look where they're going, whereas, you know, if it was me or you, we'd have to look down to make sure we don't trip over something or step on something we shouldn't. Yeah, that's an excellent point, Kev. You know, and we don't know, and they didn't say, uh, they didn't say they went and looked on the other side. Right. Uh, but maybe it was a well-used trail by this creature, but it could not have been. How about that uh, that beast we saw up in Saskatchewan just plowing through the brush yeah. and then hanging a right turn into the bushes? Yeah, and then, like to me, too, the description in the account really made me think of the Patty film, right? Just kind of cruising along, yeah, just gliding along, arms swinging and looking over, looking straight, looking over, but just like effortlessly. Yeah. And you I look, mean, that's what uh, it sounded like to me. I was sitting there like trying to imagine what they were seeing, and I was like, well, it's kind of like the Patty film. Yeah, and again, getting back to the Patty film, T- t- go back to that film again and look at what was under the feet of that creature walking around. Oh, I know. It's like a washed out. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The place was some freaking mess. And yeah. the head was completely turned a couple of times looking back at uh, uh, Patterson with the camera. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> you know, if it was you or I in a monkey suit, you'd trip head over heels. Yeah. No, that's my point. Like, <laughs> Excuse me. Can't be that uh, but, comfortable with something covering up your face. Yeah, and look, tall grass next to a river, trees and junk around, anything could have been there. I mean, these things just exude uh, muscularity, confidence. Another really cool point to me was, you know how we always hear, or we hear a lot, that the head seems to be joined to the triceps. Like, there's so much bulk that you... you the head just looks like a, a knob popping out of the upper back. But she made a point of saying that the head, again, uh, my belief is because of this tremendous bulk and muscularity, was a foot ahead of the waistline leaning forward. I mean, this is just like a freaking the Hulk. <laughs> you know, just like a, a, a monster. Yeah. You know, you don't see anything like that. I mean, that's that's just like a super, super monster. You know, this obviously this thing wasn't afraid either. Yeah, just saw them, looked, kept an eye on them, kept walking, and just kept strolling along. Like, what are you gonna do to me? No doubt. Yeah, no doubt. That's freaking unbelievable. Great. Uh, I mean, that is a great account. All right. Yeah, just interesting. Running the mill. She didn't get into how long it was, but. Uh, a couple of steps out of the brush, and then uh, nine or ten strides. And she also commented that after the fact, she realized that it had it looked very leisurely, like it was gliding uh, along, but it had covered an enormous amount of real estate in a short period of time. Yeah, but, I mean, if you're ten feet tall and super strong, Whew. even when it looks like you're just walking along, you got some big strides there. Yeah, it's like nothing, you know? Yeah. I mean, sometimes when I watch guys on horseback, right, you say, geez, I don't know how they could cover much time on this horse. You know, it looks like they're just sauntering along. But the, the what are they picking up, like six or eight feet at a clip every time the, the horse exactly. doubles itself? Exactly. So you're really, uh, you're, you're covering real estate, you know what I mean? Interesting. So there you have it. That was a fantastic. I like uh, it. That's account. a good one. Yeah, yeah. 
So what do we got cool. today, brother? We got some good letters, including some uh, some cool accounts. So uh, uh, this is going to be pretty interesting. I hinted at this one when we were talking about creepy at the beginning of the show today. Okay. So this comes in from Michael in Washington State. I don't know if you saw this one, Bill, or if you talked to him. He, he put his phone number there. Uh-huh. But he writes, hi, guys. Love the podcast. I've been told by friends to contact you. Basically, I'm going to make a long story short. A friend and I went camping to the Gifford Pinchot National Forest in Washington. So I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that right. Uh, But I looked it up. It's just south of Mount Rainier out in western Washington state and pretty much in the middle of nowhere. So that's me talking, of course. Yep. No, it is. Yeah, it is yeah. in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. yeah, I've been out to Mount Rainier. I've been south of Mount Rainier, Mount St. Helens and stuff. There's not much out there, and I would not be shocked to see the hairy man if I was out there. So, oh, No doubt about it. So he writes, we drove, uh, we drove to the middle of nowhere. We both hiked to the outskirts of camp. So they were going out there to spend a couple of days. And both of us had that weird feeling that they were being watched. When we got into the campsite, we were camped next to a creek, and there were loud footsteps walking up on us. Hmm. They were in the tent, right? Yep. So yep. very loud and obvious bipedal footsteps. When this thing walked up to the tent after we went to sleep and it waited till the fire went out, we had a very obvious bipedal, heavy, 600 to 800 pound at least, animal walk up to the tent. I've heard, be- I've heard bear, deer, elk come to the tent, and this was very much not any of those. Huh. My friend slept through it. I about had a problem in his pants. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is a family show. Right. As the giant creature walked up to the tent, probably one or two feet away from the tent, and my head, and, and my head, this creature heavily sniffed the tent. He writes, massive lungs, sniffed the tent three times heavily, then very obviously bipedally walked away heavily back into the forest. Hmm. I'm happy to give you more details if interested. Yeah, I, uh, I'm in the process of reaching out to Mike because you know I like to hear everything firsthand. Oh, yeah. Uh, but sometimes, I, you know, especially with guys on the, uh, on the other coast, Kev, it's, it's difficult for me. You know, I sleep late. I get, I get home late. I go to bed late. You know, yeah, the three-hour shift can be a challenge uh, anyway. Right. Yeah, yeah, it's it's difficult for me. Uh, I've yeah. got a couple of guys I've been trying to reach out to, but you know, the day off turns into the day of work, and <laughs> uh, you know, an appointment here, something I got to do here or there. And before you know it, there's no shot of me uh, yeah, getting I mean, in touch. You know, I thought this was pretty cool, though, in that I don't remember anyone really making note of, you know, how deep the breaths were. Yeah. You know, so like this sniffing, and he writes, you know, and it had massive lungs. Yeah. I mean, that's pretty interesting, right? Coming up yeah. and giving a sniff. Like, I've been close to a big bear, and here it's sniffing around, you know, out west, and uh, I didn't note you know, if I was writing an account, I wouldn't note like how big it was based on the sniffing, you know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I think that's pretty interesting. Yeah. And I would imagine, you know, he's hearing something like, uh, uh, you know, that kind of yeah, yeah, deep, yeah. deep guttural heaving in and out, you know, like this huge. Yeah, but uh, you didn't sound like a giant, but that that was a good sound. <laughs> How was that, better? Yeah, you sound a little bit like Martha when she's sleeping. <laughs> After she's eaten a couple of tomatoes. <laughs> oh, my goodness. All right, but thanks, Michael. That is a great account, and I'm glad you're a listener, and I'm glad your friends talked you into uh, 
you know, writing in. Uh, you know, if you see something, say something, like my brother always says, and go to the Contact Us section of our website, BigfootTerrorInTheWoods.com. So, yeah, all right, no, we got another one here, Bill. This one is from Lance, and Lance is in Australia, the land oh. of Oz. Oh, I love the land of Oz. <laughs> and he says, my name is Lance, and I'm coming to you from Yowie land. Yeah, we. Oh, man. What does Lance have to say for himself? Well, first, Lance teases me. He says, I'll give you all the love to start with just to stir your brother. Only kidding, (laughs) of course, WJ. He says, you guys are bloody hilarious. And as we say in Oz, the amount of smack talk you guys do is fantastic. (laughs) If you ever need a non-famous, everyday Australian guy as one of your smack-talking co-hosts, I'm your man. (laughs) And we might take you up on that, Lance. It is smack talker, are you? (laughs) I hope this story finds you well. I am a frequent flyer when it comes to immersing oneself in the middle of the bush. I certainly enjoy taking on multiple day solo hikes where I go off the track and navigate myself to all of the wonderful mountains you see in the background of this standard viewing points that everyday people use. A good day's hike is when I have no track and see no persons all day. So it sounds like he fancies a bit of a walkabout. A walkabout. (laughs) All alone, if you will. Yes. He says he often goes into the Australian Blue Mountains, and I've been there. I've been there, Lance. It is beautiful. Where only hiking is allowed... And five kilometers of hiking can get you very well into the thick of it. Mm -hmm. Myself, though, will happily hike 40 kilometers, making my trips very, very remote. Wow. I have heard everything there. Oh, I've heard everything there is to hear out there in my neck of the woods. And I can happily name most animals I hear of the night, even in the night. Wow. You wouldn't believe the grunting noise a common gray kangaroo can make at night when it's mating or fighting. To the untrained ear, you would think there is a deranged demon floating through the trees making this grunting noise, which would keep anyone not in the know well awake. Mm -hmm. However, six months ago, I decided to go motorbike riding in a place called Yeriung State Forest, about 200 kilometers south of Sydney with a friend, a place I had never been before, and I thought it to be quite mainstream compared to what I normally hike in. The best description of Yiriyang State Forest is that it has a main highway that separates it from more bushland and the sea, and then on the west side it's surrounded by a cliff line. The forest is perhaps 10 kilometers wide at the most from the highway to the cliff line. All of this, however, is surrounded by a vast area of wilderness. Still, uh, still, he, he makes a mistake in here, but he says, every man has their dog stomping ground, so it's not that remote at all compared to what he's used to. We had finished riding for the night, and I set my hammock up between two gum trees while my friend slept snug in a full-blown five-star swag. (laughs) (laughs) Swag. Yeah, all was well until 3 a.m. came around, Uh when I hear far, far in the distance the sound of How do you like that? He wow, wrote it out phonetically. Quick. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he said, obviously, I don't know how that distance? transcribes. Yeah, far distance. He, he says wow. that very loud. So he says, obviously, I don't know how that transcribes as you're reading it. But every time I heard this, I had it in my head in an elongated singing tone of where are you? So he's, oh. I'm not at all saying that that's what was being said. 
but that's how I made how it made the sound in my head. Okay. Yeah, that's good. So phonetic, phonetically, he was using yeah, exactly. words to describe what he heard. Yeah, exactly. Interesting. This is quite odd due to the fact that three separate animals were making this noise. At the start, one would make the noise, and without fail, it repeated twice more from kilometers away in each direction. Wow. Yeah, it's pretty weird. At first, my thoughts got the better of me, and I was freaking out that I was about to be surrounded. Hmm. Reality was, the noise was so far away that that couldn't have occurred. Over 30 minutes, this went on, every minute or so. Each time, the animals were closing in on each other, but not necessarily toward my position. It was as if the animals were making the noise, had finished for the night, and which were making the noise because they had finished for the night and were trying to locate each other to meet up. This went on and on. With each passing noise, all three animals were getting closer to each other. The last time I heard the noise, it only repeated twice and sounded like they had ran into each other. Then it all stopped. Wow. I'm interested, uh, yeah, I'm interested in what your thoughts are or the other folks from Australia if they've, uh, they have heard something similar. I'm not saying I heard yowies, but the oddity to what sounded like calling out to each other over such a long period of time to locate one another is not what everyday animals do. Well, not over the distances from where these noises started from. The volume and length of each noise sequence and the fact that each time they got closer to each other and the distance it appeared to start and finish is almost impossible to be of any known animal out there in my experience. The only animal that could cover such distance would be a bird in that terrain. And there are certainly no, bo- no birds down here that have the lung capacity to produce the volume that I was hearing. And finally, Lance writes, I can't carry guns where I go, so I'm always carrying more sticks than I think I need. <laughs> he says, I think I'm like, he said, I'm like a walking tree. <laughs> All the best. Keep up the awesome work. All the best to you, Lance. And be safe out there, man. You know, in the uh, in the outback on a walkabout that far away from anybody, you, you better be careful, man. There's a lot of stuff out there without the yowie that'll kill you in Oz. Wow, man. You know, how interesting is that, though, that number one, that he takes the time to put that to paper for us to share. But he hears this thing and he's saying it sounds very distant to him. He, he he takes the presumptive leap that yeah. it was a, a couple of kilometers away what he was hearing. Exactly. So it had to be loud to travel that distance. And then this back and forth going on, and he reaches a point where it was from three to two sounds indicating to him that two of the three, if there were in fact three of whatever it was, had already met up, and now they were just... Bringing yeah, wait, in the last of the waiting group. Waiting for the third. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty wild. I haven't heard anything like that. You know, he's asking us what we think. I haven't heard anything like that before, Bill. How about you? No, I haven't. But you know what? What else would be calling be done for in the animal kingdom? Absolutely, yeah. Uh, mating and location, right? Yeah. I mean, uh, what else do animals uh, make a sound for? You know, uh, whatever they are. Uh, yeah. It's either a mating call or uh, maybe a challenge to another male yeah. or uh, locating uh, another one of their kind that they're looking for, you know? Yeah. Uh, perhaps a, a warning if a predator is around, you know? Yeah, yeah, kind of fighting threat. Yeah, yeah it's interesting. Very interesting, Lance. But pretty interesting, too, that Lance is such an outdoorsman. You know, like he he talks about the uh, knowing the sound of the giant gray kangaroo and stuff like that, right? You know. Yeah, and come on, a forty-kilometer hike in the outback. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's a pretty good hoof with sticks on you for protection. <laughs> <laughs> that's a new one for us too, right? 
Wow, man. Always carry more sticks than you think you're going to need. <laughs> <laughs> sticks so aren't going to do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we got a couple more letters here, a couple of shorter ones. So we got okay. one from Jeff. Jeff doesn't say where he is. But he's writing about the Port Chatham uh, cryptids in the news segment that I did, Port Chatham, Alaska, where the, yeah. everyone in town disappeared after being terrorized. And he says, hi, guys, I was listening to your podcast and you talked about Port Chatham, Alaska. I wanted to mention that there's a great documentary movie about this story and a recent ex- expedition. And he thinks it's on Amazon Prime. So I haven't heard about that. I did see on YouTube when I was researching it that there was a group of folks setting out to make a documentary, um, but I haven't seen the documentary. So this week was so crazy at work. Uh, I haven't had a chance to search for this, but I'm going to check it out, Jeff, because I would love to see that documentary. Yeah, thanks a lot. You know, and Kev, I'm old school, man. These people I work with and... Uh, like this fella, they talk about what's over here, what's over there. I have cable vision. I've got a bunch of channels. If it comes on one of those channels, I see it. But I am not a subscriber to all these different services I hear people talking about. I mean, they talk about saving money. But to me, by the time you're done with all these subscriberships, you're paying more than I am. It's <laughs> <laughs> just unbelievable, you know? Yeah. Uh, but well, don't worry, it. Bill. I'm a subscriber to Amazon, so all I'll right. check it out for you. Check it out and see what it's all about. Yeah, yeah. All right. And, and, and oh, go by ahead. the way, by the way, Kev, uh, there's no evidence in the Port Chatham incident. It's just a little matter of hundreds of people fleeing for their lives because of a beast that was killing people. But that's that's. A side note, you know, it's not At really two evident. different points in history, too. Don't forget that. Yeah, it's not evidentiary. It's two just different that points they in history, and I don't mean separated by days, like years right. apart. The town cleared out. Yeah, none of those people though were of their right mind. <laughs> Unbelievable. All right, our last letter comes in from one of our fans that we hear from once in a while. He writes, "Yo." It's Vinny from North Carolina again. Yo, Vinny. <laughs> Yo, Vinny. I got to run into you over out, over out near Jordan Lake one of these days, Vinny. <laughs> Look for that big black truck with the Bigfoot on it. <laughs> he says, I wanted to drop you a quick email because I remember WJ saying he loved Survivor Man Bigfoot with Les Stroud. Les just released an unaired episode on YouTube on September 4th. Wow, okay, just last week. I thought you guys would like to check it out. You can go to his YouTube page or try the link below. Not sure if the link will work in this email. I haven't watched it yet. I'm about to right now, but wanted to let you know. Thanks for doing what you do. Vinny. Yeah, I like Vinny. He's a frequent flyer, and I like people that just want to chime in to say hello. Yeah, and I didn't check out this link yet. Again, this week was crazy. But, Vinny, I may check it out when we get done recording here. And yeah. I'll post it on our website. Uh, if the link doesn't work, I'll find it. I can find anything on YouTube. And uh, I'll post it on our website, too. Yeah, i got to check that out myself. I'm a big uh, uh, Les fan. And I was I actually felt depressed when I realized that uh, they weren't, posting those they don't even rerun them anymore you know a lot of these shows they rerun them yeah uh i don't know what's up with that somebody must own you know somebody else must own it bill you know sometimes they sit on the ownership for a while yeah i just uh, i wish they'd get off it i'm sure there's some money to be made there if it's all about a buck uh to to run them and let us see them again that was some outstanding footage and work that he did no doubt uh, but like a lot of good things, it, it, remember what's his face bought up the little rascals because he thought they were racist. Uh, I don't remember that, but I Bill Cos- it. I heard Bill Cosby did it. Huh. Yeah, I don't know if that was true or not, but 
you know, and when I used to watch The Little Rascals, I thought all the little kids in there were treated like a bunch of little hoopals. <laughs> you know what I mean? White I kids, black. I think you're and right I, about that. I think you're yeah, right I'm about not that. Yeah, I'm not a racist. None of, them had, it, none of, none of them had it too well. Yeah, they were all they were kind of goofy little around. kids. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> Remember that native monster coming after him? Yum, yum, eat him up. Yum, yeah. yum, eat him up. <laughs> <laughs> he was excellent. That guy was excellent. That was excellent. like right out of Abbott and Costello. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's good good stuff, good humor, lighthearted. You know. Absolutely. All right. Well, cool. Good stuff, folks. That's that's it for the mail this week, Bill, the uh, listener mail. Um, I First off, I want to thank everyone, first off, for listening, of course, and for those fantastic five-star reviews. I asked you to give us great reviews, and you have, and I want to thank you for it. So, and if you haven't given us a five-star review, please do it right now. And if it's been a little while since you gave us a five-star review, give us another five-star review. And it's really important that we get those great reviews because it brings more listeners to the podcast and allows us to continuously improve the quality of the podcast. And Lord knows we could benefit by continuously improving. (laughs) Yes, 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 yes. But seriously, thank you very much, and uh, thanks for all the support, and keep the letters coming. Yeah, awesome. Uh, We're getting a lot of support. And I'd like to encourage everybody again to go out and buy one of the books. Um, give it as a gift. Read it. Keep it around. Do what you will. But uh, you could uh, be a great source of support by uh, either getting an audio book or a paperback uh, or an ebook. And remember, if you happen to be hiking around in the world of Oz down under, always carry more gun. Then you think you're gonna need sleep time.